chapter 26. Our text this evening, 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Please give careful attention now as we hear God's word read. And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecholiah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. He went out and made war against the Philistines and broke through the wall of Gath and the wall of Jebna and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities in the territory of Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Jerbaal and against the Midianites. The Ammonites paid tribute to Uzziah and his fame spread even to the border of Egypt for he became very strong. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the angle and fortified them. And he built towers in the wilderness and cut out many cisterns, for he had large herds, both in the Shephelah and in the plain. And he had farmers and vine dressers in the hills and in the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army of soldiers fit for war in divisions according to the numbers in the muster made by Jael, the secretary, and Maasai, the officer, under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's commanders. The whole number of the heads of fathers' houses of mighty men of valor was 2,600. Under their command was an army of 307,500 who could make war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. And Uzziah prepared for all the army shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows, and stones for slinging. In Jerusalem, he made machines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones. And his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. But Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. 
Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense, and when he became angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priest in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they rushed him out quickly, and he himself hurried to go out, because the Lord had struck him. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. And being a leper, lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's household governing the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah from first to last, Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, wrote, And Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the burial field that belonged to the kings, for they said, He is a leper. And Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. Thus ends the reading of God's very word. Let's pray. <clears throat> Blessed Lord, we do bow before you and we beg that you would come by your Holy Spirit and that, Lord, you would teach us uh, the lessons from this historical account that you have recorded in your holy, infallible, inerrant word uh, of this mighty king who forgot his place and was puffed up with pride. Oh Lord, that you would give us grace to be humble before you all the days that you would give to us, uh, no matter how prosperous uh, you might shower upon us in your grace give us the accompanying grace to bow before you hear our cry lord and bless us now in jesus we pray amen this king of judah um indeed is unique in all of the other kings that are recorded. Uh, we have a record of a king who sought the face of God, uh, at least uh, in the initial part of his reign. And this one event uh, that uh, was such a turning point uh, in his ability to continue to uh, enjoy uh, his uh, station. Uh, so let's look at this together. And as we do so, I want you to notice verse 16, but when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar 
of incense. Now you remember back in chapter 7 as the Lord answers Solomon's prayer at uh, the beginning of uh, the reign in uh, the sons of David. The temple is built and Solomon prays that God would bless this temple to be used as the place of meeting that God's people could come confessing their sin, offering sacrifices, looking to the Christ. And in verse 12 of chapter 7, we read, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then... I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And these phrases, humble, seek, pray, uh, turning from wickedness, uh, really are those uh, profound markers uh, that are prominent throughout the rest of Second Chronicles. And if you have a concordance in your home, I would encourage you uh, to do a, a study and look up these particular words. And then after you see uh, the place of, of these terms, either outlining revivals or the lack of the blessing of God, uh, then you can look for the concepts on top of that. Well, in chapter 26, we see this word seeking the Lord. He sought uh, the Lord, the God uh, of his fathers. In verse 5 of chapter 26, And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Uh, we uh, see that... Um, King Uzziah was a man who uh, began his uh, reign seeking the face of God. He was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned a, a long time, 52 years. Um, the source of his blessing was the Lord God. Uh, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And you see that in verse 4. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah who instructed him in the fear of God. Now, one of the things that we can take to heart from this is uh, that as we learn about our great God in the Lord Jesus Christ from Holy Scripture. Um, we uh, need to remember uh, how God blessed King Uzziah. Uh, he set himself to seek God. 
Here's a picture of a man who purposed in his heart like Daniel and his friends, uh, Azariah, Mishael, uh, Hananiah, these young men, uh, when they were carried off in the captivity, uh, they purposed in their heart that they would not uh, be pressed into uh, the mold of the world, but that they would love the Christ and be faithful uh, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so it was with this young king. Uh, we don't know the details of who this Zechariah was, uh, whether he was a priest or whether he was uh, a, a prophet that God had raised up, but God used this man uh, to instruct uh, this young king. And Uzziah prospered as he sought the face of God. The Lord's blessing was upon him. Now the old uh, uh, pastors referred to the obedience that we render as gospel obedience. And the Lord is pleased to take our feeble attempts at pleasing and honoring the Lord and because our attempts to honor God uh, are covered with the righteousness of Jesus and accepted in His name, uh, the Lord smiles upon us and blesses us. Uh, it is indeed a, a sweet thing to walk uh, in the way of the Lord. And for Jesus' sake, we are accepted and blessed. And so it was with this young king. Uh, he sought the face of the Lord. He listened to the instruction uh, that this godly man, Zechariah, gave. In verses 6 uh, down through verse 15, we have a summary uh, of how marvelously God helped this man. And you see in verse 7 um, this phrase, God helped him. And he comes back in verse 15 after recording all of these amazing feats that Uzziah was gifted with. Yes, he worked. Yes, he planned. Yes, he organized. Uh, but as we read in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build. Unless the Lord guards the city, those who keep awake guard in vain. And Uzziah was helped by the Lord. Uzziah's efforts were blessed and God smiled upon him. In verse 6, he went out and made war against the Philistines and broke through the wall of Gath and the wall of Jebna and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities in the territory of Ashdod Elsewhere among the Philistines, God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Jerbaal. And against the Midianites, the Ammonites paid tribute to Uzziah and his fame spread even to the border of Egypt where he became very strong. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem. And you remember that it was 
in Ahaziah's reign uh, that the wall of Jerusalem had been torn down uh, for 400 cubits, we uh, read uh, last week. Well, Uzziah sets to work now and repairs uh, the wall that had been torn down and even makes it stronger than it had been before. Uh, He built uh, fortified places in the wall, uh, uh, garrisons, uh, places where uh, war could be waged in a defensive manner against uh, uh, invading uh, uh, attackers. We see in verse 10, and he built towers in the wilderness. It wasn't just in Jerusalem, but um, there in the wilderness, places where uh, people could take refuge uh, when they were being attacked or harassed. Uh, He cut out many cisterns, uh, for he had large herds, both in the Shephelah and in the plain. And he had farmers and vine dressers in the hills and in the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. And so everywhere Uzziah turns now, uh, there is just the blessing of God. The smile of God is upon him. Um, In verse 11, Moreover, Uzziah had an army of soldiers fit for war in divisions according to the numbers in the muster made by Jael, the secretary, and Maaseiah, the officer, under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's commanders. The whole number of the heads of fathers' houses of mighty men of valor was 2,600. These are the leaders. And then under their command was an army of 307,500 who could make war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. And Uzziah prepared for all the army shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows, and stones for slinging. In Jerusalem, he made machines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones. And so here this picture of, of, of huge uh, um, crossbow-like uh, machines that could shoot huge uh, uh, spears, arrows, and, and catapults to launch huge stones uh, against invading uh, armies. Um, his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. And so here's this picture of this king who um, started his reign with a lot of, of decay and turmoil uh, that was the result of uh, Amaziah not listening uh, to uh, the uh, advice that he was given. Uh, there was destruction. Uh, but um, God now blesses. So what was Uzziah's response? Well, uh, what a tragedy in verse 16. Instead of giving thanks and praise to the Lord uh, for all the benefits that God had given to him, uh, we see in verse 16, but when he was strong, he grew proud. Uh, What foolishness 
what wickedness. Now let's go over to the New Testament, and I want you to look at a couple of passages uh, that highlight for us uh, that uh, everything good that we have, um, we need to remember where it comes from. Uh, whether uh, it was just a gift to us or whether it was the result of the labors of our hands, um, every good gift, every perfect gift, James chapter 1 tells us, comes from above. And the phrase before that declaration in verse 17, we need to take to heart. Verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Don't let Satan lie to you. Look what I have done. Don't let anyone else uh, puff you up with pride. Oh, what a marvelous job you have done. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift. Every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, another passage that is very important for us to make note of. The Apostle Paul has been talking about the divisions that existed among God's people. And um, he uh, now is going to come back uh, to this uh, theme of them not remembering uh, who they are apart from the grace of God. Uh, in chapter 4, in verse 6, we'll start reading. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. And so he said the heart of this problem that the church at Corinth was experiencing was they were puffed up. They, they had this same problem that King Uzziah uh, 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 encountered pride and he goes on verse 7 for who sees anything different in you what do you have that you did not receive if then you received it why do you boast as if you did not receive it and so here's the question that is asked what do you have that you didn't receive. And James 1 has already told us every perfect gift, every good gift comes from where? Comes from the hand of God. And so uh, whether we uh, have uh, a project that we're working on and it turned out, uh, whether it is in our schoolwork or whether it is applying for a job or we get uh, a, a raise or whatever we may be experiencing. Um, your cake didn't fall and it just turned out beautifully. 
every good gift comes from where? It comes from the hand of God. And what are we supposed to do when God blesses us? Well, the book of Romans chapter 2, God reminds us what His gifts are supposed to do in each and every one of us. Uh, Here in Romans chapter 2, the Apostle Paul has labored uh, in chapter 1 showing why the Gentiles need the gospel because they have a sin problem and it exhibits itself in just a paganism. Uh, But in chapter 2, he says, and the Jews... They, they have the same problem. Now, it doesn't exhibit itself like the pagans do. But we read in chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? And you remember the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 and chapter 6 and chapter 7 addressed some of the sneaky practices that were going on among the Pharisees in his day. Uh, The Pharisees said that as long as you didn't take a knife and stick it in someone's uh, uh, ribs and and murder them, you're good. Thou shalt not murder. But Jesus said, if we have anger in our heart against another, we've committed murder in our heart. Uh, It's not just the outward act uh, that God sees and judges. He does, but he also sees the heart. And so that's what the Apostle Paul here, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, uh, he knows very well, uh, for he lived that life. Uh, The Lord Jesus said that if we just look upon a woman to lust for her in our heart, we've committed adultery in our heart. Well, In verse 4, he said, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God is meant to lead you to repentance? And so when God showers upon us his kindness, what ought to happen in our hearts? We ought to be humble before the Lord. We ought to be full of thanksgiving and praise and it ought to make us hate our own sin even more because of the goodness of God and love the Lord Jesus more and more. Now, God had warned His people before these kings uh, came on the scene in the book of Deuteronomy. And if you'll turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8, The Lord had warned His people. Uh, The book of Deuteronomy, a series of sermons that Moses preached right before the children of Israel go in and take the promised land. Uh, They've wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses has not permitted himself to go in. Uh, But the book of Deuteronomy is the recounting 
of the history of God's people and now the instructions that the Lord gives through his servant Moses right before they go in and take the land. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that, the, that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care. Lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up. And you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And so here we have now this recounting of the history of God's people and how the Lord had given them these reminders over and over of his goodness, of his power. Uh, the manna, 
uh, that God rained down from heaven all of those years feeding the people. And on the very day that they entered the promised land, that's when the manna stopped. And God caused in a desert a, a, a rock to open up. And the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4 tell us that that rock was Christ. All of these were reminders and shadows and pictures of the Christ that the people needed and ought to trust in and believe in. Uh, the true and the living God and His provision of redemption and to trust and obey to trust and follow. The Lord Jesus said, if you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. And so the people are warned here in Deuteronomy 8. When you go in, you're going to have all of this prosperity. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my hand and the power of my might have gained me these things. And the Lord says, Remember that it is the Lord uh, who has given you all these things. Well, Uzziah is puffed up with pride. Uh, what foolishness. What wickedness. Here this king who had been blessed so, instead of humbling himself before God and going to the temple and asking that one of those that God had appointed to go in on his behalf, who was a shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven itself on our behalf to appear in the presence of God, offering not the blood of bulls and goats, but his own blood to make satisfaction for our sins. And then in his righteousness to offer our thanks to the Father. And now in the New Testament day, we have an incredible privilege to be a kingdom of priests. And when the Lord Jesus died, you remember the veil in the temple that separated the place where the priest would go day in and day out from the Holy of Holies. Uh, this huge curtain was torn in two in Jerusalem from top to bottom. And Hebrews chapter 10 reminds us that it was God signifying that the way now is open into God's very presence through the new and the living way, through Jesus Himself, our great high priest. Uzziah denied all of those marvelous, precious truths. He denied that God had showered all these gifts upon him and he claimed that he himself could determine how he would approach the true and the living God. Now that is, is such foolishness and wickedness for the Lord as these priests, uh, when Uzziah goes in with the censer in his hand, uh, and turn back with me to Second Chronicles 26, verse 16, but when he, Uzziah, was strong, he grew proud, to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. 
But Azariah, the, the priest, went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor, and they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron. And over and over in the Old Testament, God had instructed that it was Aaron and his sons that he had set apart uh, to be those priests who would uh, be representatives of the people to go into the very presence of God. What does Uzziah do when he is corrected? Instead of humbling himself before the Lord and dropping his censer and fleeing and saying, yes, you're right, I, I, I foolishly have gone against what God has said. Uh, you remember Nadab and Abihu, uh, the sons uh, of, of Aaron, who went in and offered strange fire before the Lord, and they were struck down. Not only uh, did God command that just the priests of Aaron uh, descended from him were to go into the presence of the Lord, but the manner in which they went was also very carefully spelled out. Uzziah sets all of that aside. He's the king. He can do whatever he pleases. But no, these men of valor, Azariah, and these 80 priests along with him, they withstood King Uzziah. It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense, Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. Now, we don't know what would have happened had Uzziah dropped his censer and uh, fled, but uh, it seems to be that the Lord gives him an opportunity to repent. And it seems to be that had he heeded that, that the chastening of the Lord would have been uh, much less. But that was not what Uzziah did. He stiffened his neck. And the book of Proverbs has much to tell us about the foolishness of refusing to be corrected. And this is true no matter how old or young we are. Uh, that if we do not heed the correction of the Lord, uh, His chastening increases. Uh, if we don't listen to His Word, then He takes us to remedial school. And we are uh, having to learn uh, uh, the hard way uh, with His chastening hand. The book of Hebrews chapter 12 gives us a little glimpse of this. Uh, as well, you can read, we'll not take the time to do it tonight, in Leviticus chapter 26, which spelled out the blessings and the judgments for God's people, which you remember Solomon's prayer was drawing from, both Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus chapter 26. And God said, if you ever turn away from me and turn to other gods, uh, then I will pour these chastenings upon you. And if you still do not 
Listen to me. I will increase seven times the judgment. And in Leviticus 26, we see that theme over and over. And we need to take that uh, to heart in our own lives. Uh, that when God tells us something in His Word, uh, we need to quickly heed and pay attention lest we have to go to more strenuous schoolrooms to learn the lessons of God. In Hebrews chapter 12, uh, the Lord quotes... Uh, from Proverbs chapter 3 about the blessing of God upon His children that God disciplines and chastens every child of God that He loves. And here Uzziah had the opportunity to heed the word of the Lord. He should have known to begin with. For every king, you remember we saw this in Deuteronomy chapter 17, that when a king would begin to reign, one of the first things he was required to do was what? Under the direction of the Levitical priest, he was to copy out a personal copy of the law of God in his own handwriting that he was to read and study and keep with him all his days. And so there was no excuse uh, and yet God is so kind and so gracious. And God stirs in the heart uh, of this priest, Azariah, and these 80 men to come and confront the king. And they did so at the risk of their own lives. Uh, and yet that was what God had called them to do. Oh, what a blessing it is that we have those that God sends in our path uh, to teach us and remind us the truth of God's Word. It may be a, a, a husband or a wife. It may be your parents. It may be a friend. It may be a brother or a sister in our congregation. Or it may be a, a total stranger. Or it may be a, a, a pastor. Uh, but God sends uh, people to remind us of the truth of God's Word many, many times. And in Hebrews chapter 12, we are reminded that even when people would tell us the truth that kind of hurts, it is because God is loving us. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, we read, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens every son whom he receives. 
It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. But what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore... Lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Well, Uzziah did not take advantage of the correction that God graciously, patiently provided for him. His response was in verse 19 of chapter 26 of Second Chronicles, then Uzziah was angry. Instead of humbling himself, yet again here's an opportunity for him to hear the truth. These priests confront him and say, God has spelled out in his word in the book of Leviticus, in the book of Deuteronomy, that it's the priests, the sons of Aaron, who alone are to go into the presence of the Lord. Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priest in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And so God strikes this, this arrogant, prideful king and humbles him. And the thing that is striking about this is, even though Uzziah meekly turns and is ushered out, and he himself says, yes, yes, I need to get out of here. The Lord does not remove this lesson. What a painful lesson. For the rest of his days, Uzziah bears that mark. Now you remember when Aaron and uh, uh, Miriam complained against Moses because Moses had married a Cushite woman. And Miriam and Aaron complained uh, against Moses. And Miriam ends up being struck with leprosy. But the Lord graciously, after a week, restores Miriam to full health. And God could have done that with Uzziah. But the Lord leaves this man with leprosy. Now, it's easy for us to go, well, that's kind of sad. But when you had leprosy, you couldn't be around people who didn't have leprosy. And here we have this tragic picture. I mean, he could holler at his loved ones from a distance, but he couldn't go up and hug them because his leprosy 
would make them unclean. And he has to live that way for the rest of his days. And the Lord has recorded this for us so that we would learn. We, when God blesses us, we need to be humble before the Lord. And thank you, Jesus, ought to be some of the most prevalent words in our vocabulary every day. We ought to be found giving thanks and praise to the Lord over and over and over. When we see a beautiful sunrise, when we eat a banana, when we drink a delicious cool glass of water, when we eat delicious food, when we have sweet fellowship with loved ones, all of the gifts that God showers upon us ought to lead us to repentance, to be humble before the Lord. And God has been so kind to each one of us. He has showered upon us such mercies. And of course, the greatest mercy of all is that God has given His Son to be our Redeemer. Oh, may the Lord write the lesson of Uzziah upon our hearts. Um, God will be praised. Uh, if we are one of God's children, He will humble us. Uh, we will either do so by His grace up front to have soft, tender hearts toward our God, or we'll have to learn the hard way. Praise God for His mercy, His grace. How we thank God for His Word. Let's pray. Father, we ask that You would forgive us when we are resistant to being corrected by our mama, by our daddy. Lord, forgive us when we've been uh, stubborn and uh, refuse to listen uh, to uh, our wife or our husband. Uh, Lord, forgive us for those times that uh, we've uh, been like Uzziah, showered with gifts, uh, and, and our hearts be puffed up with pride. And we forget uh, who you are, and we think that uh, you owe us. And so, Lord God, please give us soft and tender hearts. Oh, Lord, write the Tenth Commandment upon our hearts. Uh, that we would be a people full of praise and thanksgiving to you, uh, that we would be content, uh, that we would not be constantly thinking, if I only had uh, something else, that, Lord, when you put us in a particular place, that we would be content uh, to serve you there, like Uzziah should have been content uh, to have the priest uh, go into your presence on his behalf. And Lord Jesus, we confess we can't save ourselves. Uh, we rely on you uh, to be our great high priest, to wash our sins away and to take care of us. And so we praise you, Lord, for your grace, for your mercy, and pray that you would write this upon our hearts, even this week. Uh, Lord, we give ourselves to you, we ask for the cleansing of your precious blood, and we pray that you would set our hearts to praising your name. In Jesus we pray. Amen.
656 is the response of our heart as we prepare our hearts to come to the Lord's table. Jesus, priceless treasure. 656. Let's sing. Jesus, priceless treasure, source of purest pleasure, truest friend to me. Oh, how long in anguish shall my spirit languish, yearning more for thee? Thine I am most spotless land. I will suffer not to hide thee, not I ask beside thee. In thine arms I rest me, those who would molest me cannot reach me here, though the earth be shaking. Every heart be quaking, Jesus calls my fear. Lightnings flash and thunders crash, yet though sin and hell assail me, Jesus will not fail me. Satan, I defy thee. Death, I now decry thee, here I bid thee cease. Well, thou shalt not harm me, nor thy threats alarm me, while I sing of peace. God's great power guards every hour, earth and all its steps adore. Silent thou before him. Hence with earthly treasure, thou art all my pleasure. Jesus, all my choice. Hence thou empty glory, not to me thy story. Shall not from my Savior move me, since he deigns to love me. Hence all fear and sadness, for the Lord of gladness, Jesus enters in, those who love the Father, though the Jesus Christ was treasure.